Happy New Year. It's 2018. We're back with your weekly Tech Law 10. This is number 215. We've been going strong, Jonathan, I believe, for, oh gosh, six or seven years. Uh, but this is Eric wow. Sinrod at Dwayne. Dwayne Morris, joined as ever by my colleague at Quarterly, uh, Jonathan Armstrong, uh, for your weekly podcast, as I said. And today, uh, this is nothing rehearsed. We don't know what the other person is going to prognosticate, but each one of us is going to give three tech-slash-law, I suppose, predictions for 2018. So without further ado, drum roll, please. I'm going to turn it over to Jonathan to give his first prediction for 2018. I have no idea what he's going to say. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Eric, and Happy New Year. I think you'll probably guess my first two. I think I'm going with my normal strategy of two bankers and a wild card. Um, and I think we've done pretty well over the years, actually. We can pat ourselves on our back. Uh, I, I think the predictions have been fairly accurate. I think probably, Eric, you could guess this one. My number one, I think, is it's obviously the year of GDPR. I don't think that's just a European thing. I think U.S. corporations will feel the weight of GDPR in some respects more heavily than those in Europe, partly because they're not so culturally attuned sometimes to European data privacy law, and partly because some of the extraterritoriality provisions, in particular the obligation to appoint a data protection representative, applies uh, to non-EU-based entities rather than to those within the jurisdiction. And I also don't think it's something that's confined to Europe because of adequacy decisions. We've had news over the holiday season, for example, of Japan with their um, approaching adequacy decision and more meetings with the European Commission. And I think we're going to see the same in places like South Korea, in places like New Zealand and Australia that have already developed their privacy law up into Canada. So, um, so I think GDPR is going to be one of the critical elements of 2018. Obviously, as we record this, there's just about 140 days to go. That's probably, I guess, around about 80 working days when you take off the weekends and the holidays that we've got coming uh, before the 25th of May. And for most of our clients, it really is their biggest compliance project, their biggest tech project of the moment. So we've talked about GDPR a lot in these podcasts, Eric. I don't think we'll talk about them any less. We continue to have regulators toughening up, courts toughening up. The case, for example, on closed-circuit TV surveillance cameras that we've just reported on. So GDPR is my, I would say, one of my banker predictions for 2018. I can sense you feel strongly. Well, I'm happy to say that's not on my list to help mix things up. My first one is titled Tweets That Rocks the World. And we saw our president flex his muscles continuously in 2017 uh, and actually in 2016, too, during the campaign, um, you know, essentially creating transparency so we can see what he's thinking and what he wants to do on a moment-to-moment basis, and because he is the President of the United States, when he tweets something, the world rocks. And it's only, what is today, January 3rd? 
and the tweets have been coming on Pakistan, on Iran, on North Korea, uh, on legislative issues. So my number one for 2018 is the tweets are going to continue to rock the world. I'll keep that one short because I know we're going to probably do six topics, but that's my first one, Jonathan. What's your second? Yeah, excellent. My second is, once again, it'll be the year of data security. I think all the time we've been doing these, we've been continually saying data security will be more important next year than it was this year. And I think we've been right, haven't we, basically, that data security has become much more consequential. And I think it becomes more consequential in terms of the number of uh, attacks, the fact that uh, attacks, particularly business on business, are cheaper than ever before. The toolkits exist for people to, to, to do an attack much more readily. Um, the consequences are greater. So we talked just before the break about the Morrison's case in the UK and vicarious liability on employers for the uh, uh, failures of their employees. And so I just think we're going to, my prediction will be that we will not have a week in 2018 where data breach isn't headline news in some country in the Western world. I, I think we'll have at least one big data breach a week uh, throughout the whole of 2018. Yeah, historically I've had that on my list, um, and I can certainly feel that pain. Remind me to tell you over a beer about how my credit cards got hacked over the holidays and how many countless hours <laughs> I had to spend fixing and remediating that problem. But be that as may, my number two actually, I guess the topic heading I'll give is cyber warfare slash election meddling. Um, you know, right. we've heard all about uh, potential efforts by Russia to influence our election and perhaps other elections. And this one's a little bit of a mashup here, but you know, the fallout is uh, we're now having the Robert Mueller investigation into uh, potential uh, collusion between. Uh, a campaign, shall we say, and uh, you know, Russian operatives, and we're, that's going to be front and center uh, in 2018 here in the United States. And then also I think we're going to have some potential legal fallout, and that is, as you know, under Section 230 of our Communications Decency Act, Internet service providers generally are considered immune with respect to content posted on their sites by third parties. And I'm wondering whether there might be some legislative efforts to roll that back some, given that uh, there's the idea that there was quite a bit of uh, effort to try to sway um, uh, the electorate uh, by way of uh, false information posted on uh, major social media giants like Facebook. So that's my mashup, which I call cyber warfare slash election meddling. That's my number two. Turning it back to you for number three, yeah, I, I think we're, just quickly, I think we're seeing you on number two. Obviously, GDPR has got a role to play there with right to be forgotten, right to erase your requests. And I think we're mm -hmm. seeing people position themselves politically by using uh, right to erase, right to be forgotten. And maybe that's something we'll return to in the, in the new year. But there's certainly some reputation cleansing going on, I think, using GDPR coming in as a weapon. Um, my number three, I struggled with because I could think of quite a lot of things. 
I wondered about drones, I wondered about artificial agents, but I ended up with something slightly more ethereal, which is I've called the consumerization of tech law. I think we're going to see this in all sorts of ways. We're going to see people voting with their feet against tech law uh, companies that they don't particularly like. Uber, for example, has suffered from that. and We've talked about that before. I think we're going to see class actions like the Morrison's class action. I think they're going to increase. We're going to see people using subject access requests under GDPR to gather information. I think it's relevant that our old friend Max Schrems is uh, looking at this as well. You might know that uh, when I interviewed him uh, not last year, the year before, he announced that he was looking into forming a not-for-profit to, uh, uh, to bring class actions against people who'd misused data. He's now set that up. It's called uh, NOYB, None of Your Business. It's trying to raise 250,000 euros using a crowdfunding site to uh, get going. Uh, the last time I checked, it had got just over 50% of the money it needs to be born. We've also got an interesting class action in the UK brought by a, um, a former um, editor of a consumer action magazine. And then just this morning, I heard of a story of a consumer activist who's building a MailChimp list server. And what he's building is he's picking one company a day between now and GDPR coming in and adding them to his list server. And he intends on the stroke of midnight on 24 May to use uh, the free subject access right requests to mass mail these companies with subject access requests and then, then some likely some follow-up consumer activity on the basis of it. So a bit of an ethereal topic uh, um, uh, there, but I mean, in some respects, I guess it's the importation of U.S. star class actions into Europe using mm -hmm. tech law as the bridgehead. I think it's a bit more involved than that as well, Eric, but that's my, that's my wild card for number three. I like it. I like the fact that you're going wild and ethereal, and I'm going to pick up on the topic you almost chose, and that is artificial agents. My number three, I call robots. Uh, they're here. They're now. Get used to it. Um, as an example, you can walk into a room in anybody's home and say, Alexa, you know, uh, what time is it? Uh, you can do practically anything now with these artificial agents, and some people find them incredibly um, convenient and uh, user-friendly, and others are fairly spooked. And I guess from the legal standpoint, uh, there is concern that all sorts of information is being received by way of our interactions with these robots. Uh, profiles are being built on individuals using the robots, and then how is that information going to be used? And is it transparent? Do people really know what they're getting into? Um, you know, are we safe? shall we say, vis-a-vis our newfound friends we call robots. And then there are all sorts of other myriad issues. We're now seeing the development of very lifelike sex robots. And there are debates on whether those are a good idea or not. On the pro side, 
the argument is made that you might have somebody who's a widow or a widower and they want some companionship and they can order one of these things and you know what goes on in their own privacy is their own business. Um, others might argue that it could teach some people to deal with these robots in a very objectified way and then when they find themselves with actual human beings, they might treat the human beings in a way that humans shouldn't be treated because they became uh, habituated to doing that these are the, the robots they've been with. Um, there's so many different issues pertaining to robots, but they're used now in many ways, and I think we'll be seeing further developments in that area. And that is my topic number three, Jonathan. What do you think? No, I, I, I agree with that. I, I saw that there was a story over the holidays of somebody's um, Google Assistant talking to their Apple Assistant, um, and, and they were observing them having a brief conversation in the room, and I think people are starting to get more worried about the data being collected and, 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 and the consequences of this and, and, and drones, etc. You know, over the holidays, again, we had a soccer match suspended because drones had got too close to the players during the game. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, all sorts of questions about responsibility, etc., etc. So... I agree with you. That's likely a trend. We could probably have chosen many more, couldn't we? We could, but I think we're limited uh, to our 10. So we're going to close it down now. Welcome to 2018. Uh, stay tuned. Fasten your seatbelts. Join us for the ride. We'll be coming to you most weeks. My name is Eric Sinrod. I'm at Dwayne Morris. My email address is ejsinrod at dwaynemorris.com. You can find us on the usual social media outlet. I turn it back to Jonathan to finish up. Yeah, uh, jonathan.armstrong.com. If you think that there's something that we missed in our predictions, let us know, and we might do a specific podcast on that. Thank you for your support thus far. We look forward to talking to you again in 2018. Thanks for listening. Cheers.